0: Here they come!
1: Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host Eric Moore and today I'm joined by Kelly Hoggerboom to discuss the opening of Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior, complete with rather poor sound quality. Um, This episode was recorded at the same time as... The Twilight Zone one, which was Gremlins Infested, so it spilled over onto this one as well. Apologies for that. On with the show.
2: Calling Antarctica Traffic Control. Do you read me, Antarctica? Over.
1: Hi, Kelly. Hello, Eric. Hello. Right, first off, Kelly, I'd just like to say thanks. It's thanks to you that we're doing Mad Max today, because I wasn't going to do Mad Max at all, because in the way of special effects... There aren't really any proper special effects unless you think of the end of Mad Max 3 when they uh spoiler go to the ruins of uh Sydney and you see the ruins of Sydney there. I put that up on Facebook. Um oh it's a shame can't really do Mad Max. And you pointed out, well hang on a minute, you know, you've got <laughs> you've got fantastic uh costume design, you've got fantastic car designs, you've got fantastic stunts. It's an action sequence. You've got to do it. And it's like, yeah, that is a good point.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I see what you mean about special effects. But, um, you know, I'm as a tailor, I mean, the costumes alone are just incredible to me. I mean, I could just talk about those all day long. But, um, yeah, like you say, there's a lot of you know it's a very practical effects oriented franchise Fam- famously so yes, right yes
1: very much so and it was good you know when fury road came out a few years ago that they 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 carried on that uh, that feel to it with not an awful lot of cgi in there where it it augmented the special effects but the special effects at their heart were you know practical effects which were then you know enhanced by cgi
0: yeah, I'm sure that it broke some records with with that kind of a thing, just because of the scale of the practical effects in Fury Road. And someone more knowledgeable than I will hopefully weigh in and give us some. I don't know. I I love having Mad Max discussions because it's one of my favorite film franchises.
1: Right. Well, that leads into the first question. Uh, how far do you and Max go back?
0: Oh, boy. So uh, I saw Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome right when it came out. So that was actually my first um, entry into the Mad Max world. And shortly after that, I saw the first one, uh, which, of course, those, those are the two most different of the whole of all four, really. Yeah, sure. And, you know, uh, Thunderdome has a um, bad rep. Uh, You know, a lot of people don't like it because it had a a PG-13 rating instead of an R rating and all of that. But when I watched it, it came out in 1985, so I was pretty young. I was like seven. (laughs)
1: um,
0: Yeah, so it made a pretty big impression on me.
1: So, yeah, I, I always remember, I've got memories of being very disappointed because, you know, after... I love the first one, and the second one was, you know, the first one on steroids and going off in a completely different direction. And then, as you say, we had a PG-13 version. Um, and it, it was always going to struggle if that, that's the route that you were going to go. Down.
0: Yeah, I mean, I actually think the first one is the most ideologically different than the than the three after it. I think of it as the most different um, for lots of reasons that aren't special effects discussion related, but. Um, Looking back, I can see why people would find the third one kind of campy and diluted, and it's got a little more of the comedy element and a little less of the horror mm. element and all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, it's but, lost all the intensity, hasn't it, of, of, of the first two?
0: Well, like I said, as an an eight year old kid it was pretty intense. Um, yeah, but sure. yeah. Yeah, but it's not. I mean when I like when I saw the first one shortly after I saw um Thunderdome, I, it terrified me. It was much darker. It's a totally different film in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean if 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 you watch the third one and then thought I'll go back and watch the first one <laughs> expecting mm-hmm. something on similar lines, they ain't similar lines, are they? No, I mean the first one is
0: is where Max turns into this psychopath and uh, the second one the third one and fury road are all about uh, him going back to being um a hero to being to you know to regaining humanity right but the first one is about him losing his humanity it's a it's the darkest of of all of them in my opinion
1: is it your favorite the first one
0: absolutely yeah Yeah.
1: see i I, the problem i've got with with mad max and then mad max 2 is the same problem that i've got with alien and Aliens, in that I, I love them both dearly, but for completely different reasons, because they're completely yeah. different films, you know, yeah. um, and I think, I think even though, you know, as spectacular as Mad Max 2 is, and we're just about to talk about that, I still have got an enormous soft spot for the first one, and I think I do prefer it. If I had to choose one out of the two, I think I would choose the first one.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first one is like, it reminds me of a 60s biker exploitation film. It's, it's more that than anything else. And, you know, it looks like the stunts. I'm like, how many guys got hurt making this movie? I mean, it's extremely, like, raw and, um, it's got a great bad guy, or a couple bad guys, but a great main villain. Hmm. Um but this in the second one it's so it's way more glamorous, it, the scale is bigger, it's way more homoerotic, which I hmm. find hilarious. Like so yeah, I love them both and don't make me choose, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. is
1: difficult, isn't it? It is difficult. Yeah. Um I'm not going to say too much more about it. I mean, if 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 you want to if anybody wants to hear about, you know, just how devoted I was to Mad Max and Mad Max 2. Go back and listen to the Effectively Speaking episode about uh, the asteroid scene from Empire Strikes Back because uh, I, la- I lay my soul bare there, okay? okay? And I don't okay. feel like going over that again, okay. all right? But no, I was a massive fan. I fell in love with it. I saw I saw Mad Max 2 first. That came out, I think it was the first year I started as a projectionist, and so oh. that came out. Um, so I saw number two first, then we had a Mad Max 1 and 2 double bill you know like a year later so that's when I finally got to see the first one um, and then you know 3 and then Fury Road so that's the way I go mm-hmm. right. all right okay all right well we'll, we'll, we'll get into this then um, we're going to have a clip first um, but because this sequence we're talking about I mean you know it's spectacular but it's a visual sequence what we're going to have for the clip is actually uh, the opening narration okay okay so let's right. go with that
2: My life fades. The vision dims. All that remains are memories. I remember a time of chaos. Ruined dreams. This wasted land. But most of all, I remember the road warrior. The man we called Max. To understand who he was, you have to go back to another time, when the world was powered by the black fuel, and the deserts sprouted great cities of pipe and steel. Gone now, swept away. For reasons long forgotten, two mighty warrior tribes went to war and touched off a blaze which engulfed them all. Without fuel, they were nothing they built a house of straw. A thundering machine sputtered and stopped. Their leaders talked and talked and talked. But nothing could stem the avalanche. Their world crumbled. Cities exploded. A whirlwind of looting. A firestorm of fear. Men began to feed on men. On the roads, it was a white line nightmare. Only those mobile enough to scavenge, brutal enough to pillage, would survive. The gangs took over the highways, ready to wage war for a tank of juice. And in this maelstrom of decay, Ordinary men were battered and smashed. Men like Max, the warrior Max, in the roar of an engine, he lost everything and became a shell of a man, a burnt-out, desolate man, a man haunted by the demons of his past. A man had wandered out into the wasteland. And it was here, in this blighted place, that he learned to live again.
1: Right, uh, this sequence, the very beginning of the film, um, we fade in from black, and we actually fade into what's the end of the film uh, with Max standing there by Papagallo's rocket car, don't we? That's right. And I'm, I tell you what, that's what I don't like. That, 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 if there's one thing I don't like in Mad Max 2, is Papagallo's rocket car. There's just something about it. It looks a bit. It just looks a bit silly compared to how how you've got these stripped down, cannibalised cars, you know, peppered throughout the whole film. Uh, then you've got this thing that looks like it's come off of a funfair ride or something, you know?
0: Okay, I'm gonna have to look. I'm I I'm not even picturing his rocket car. I was I was probably looking at Mel Gibson's leather pants. You that's know? what so,
1: you're doing. Yeah. yeah, that's
0: where my mind is. But it was a little odd that, because um, I you know because I knew we were talking about the sequence, I focused more on on this very beginning sequence, and it was a little odd they showed a. Clip from the end of the film at the mm. very beginning. That felt a little bit odd. Mm. Um, okay, I'm looking. I'm looking at his rocket car. Alright. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does look like a carnival ride, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it looks like one of those like, um, if you didn't have wheels, it's one of these like water log rides that you get in and it takes you up a ramp <laughs> and drops you down a water flume. That sort of thing. Anyway, I've never really cared for that, but that, that doesn't matter. Um, so, that starts. We've got some great music, we've got even greater lines, um, spoken as we find out at the end of the film by the feral kid who's all grown up and he's an old man now, isn't he?
0: Yeah, I mean, we don't know who's narrating and actually the narration of this, we don't know it until the end, I think, but the narration of this is a little odd because... You know, George Miller himself has not nailed down the supposed time continuity of the four films, and they don't, they don't match. There's just no way, because in this narration, they talk about this, um, apocalyptic war and all of that, and they say that for reasons long ago forgotten, it's like, no man, this dude, I mean, in the first Mad Max, that was, pre-apocalypse that's the same guy like that i've always had a problem with that time jump there
1: i, I i've seen conjecture, conjecture that what's actually happening is that in the first one it says a few years from now you know and mm-hmm. you you're, you're you've got this thing where the gangs are taking over the roads and blah 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 and society is crumbling and there's been thought right. that that Somewhere around the world, there has been, you know, a nuclear war or something, and people are panicking, and everyone thinks the end of the world's come in, and everything's sliding into chaos. And that's the setting for the first one. And at right. the end of the first one, he drives off into the wastelands, and while he's out in the wastelands, the big one happens, and that's when you do have the, the, the nuclear war mentioned right. in this opening, and then when we pick up in Mad Max 2, um, you know that's all happened, and now society has really you know gone to the dogs
0: sure, but he he's too young for that to have happened, and then for everyone to have forgotten what happened that yeah. was like that does not make sense to me at all well, I but, don't know, you know
1: because I mean you know he's the feral kid says that he's he's an old man now you know now mm-hmm. say say he's like ninety and he was say ten. You know, right. in the film. So this is eighty years later, and if there's no one around to tell the feral kid or any of these people just what America was and what Russia was, you know, blah blah blah. You know, it could be that he's just saying yeah. for reasons long forgotten by himself. You know, not yeah. necessarily by everybody else. So you could explain it a way mm-hmm. like that, I suppose.
0: Yeah, it just feels a little. It just seemed like a odd um, narration there. So
1: yeah, but I yeah. like it because it it, it it's the. It's the distance of time that actually, you know, gives a lot of this opening narration a lot of its charm. Because, you know, he starts talking, we get we get the start of the stock footage with all the oil wells and the, and the refineries and we get black fuel um, and there's great cities of pipe and steel. You know, this is the feral kid trying to describe something that he heard about when he was like 10 years old or something. So this is his take on what right. happened, you know.
0: And they did such a good job at showing what I assume is a bunch of stock footage, right, of, mm-hmm. you know, the oil fields, but then also conflict and, um, you know, arguments and that kind of a thing. And then they start to superimpose footage from the first film.
1: And it, it, that was extremely very, well done. Yeah, it's a very nifty way. I mean, as you say, you've got all the war footage and, you know, riots and stuff like that. The narration continues. Um, do you know... Um, you know, when he s- talks about, you know, two mighty warrior tribes went to war, are, are you aware that that's where Frankie Goes to Hollywood got their um, the title for Two Tribes?
0: No, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They,
1: that, they got it from this Two Mighty Warrior Tribes Went to War. That's where Two Tribes comes from. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just thought my, that. Fr- my
0: Frankie Goes to Hollywood knowledge is very small, <laughs> Eric. Okay.
1: Well, it's just grown a tiny, tiny little bit there.
0: Okay. Oh, there, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You,
1: you, you can break, break the ice at parties with that bit. I
0: can. There you
1: go. Okay. And I love the narration. I, lo- I love, I love the, I, I, love the script for this opening narration. And I love the, uh, I, I like the guys, the, 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 the way the guy is saying it, you know, and he's yeah. talking about, you know, their leaders talked and talked and talked, you know, their world <laughs> crumbled, their cities exploded. Now, this is great stuff. You know, yeah. And, ordinary
0: and, ordinary men were battered and smashed. I liked that line. Yeah, and men you like
1: know. Max, the warrior yep. Max. You yep. know, and this is where we get to see footage from the first Mad Max film. You know, right. uh, You know, there was a firestorm of fear, and men began to feed on men. And my favorite line out of this opening narration is, uh, "On the roads, it was a white line nightmare."
0: Yeah, uh, hey,
1: I love that a white line nightmare. You know. Yeah. And, you know,
0: as Americans, like we like our cars, but, uh, you know, George Miller said the USA has its gun culture and and we have our car culture because, you know, there must be something because the whole, uh, the whole franchise is so it's not just about the oil crisis. It's also about cars. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I don't quite, um, I'm not really a car person. And so, um, you know, and I don't I don't think we have those expanses that Australia does, right? Um the large, you know, expanses of roads. So Yeah, no, you need kind of transport
1: in Australia. <laughs> you really yeah, do. You yeah. need your cars. Yeah. All right. Um so we're, we're we're firmly into the Mad Max footage now and it ends um with this like aerial shot as it's coming down onto uh, onto the uh, Onto the outback there, mm-hmm. and uh, and and you hear the feral kids saying and it, and it was here in this broken place that he learned to live again. And mm-hmm. uh, it zooms right down, and we go to black. Now, ju- ju- just something I'd I'd like to mention um, before we move on to the next bit. Up until now, everything we're seeing um, is in. Do you know what an aspect ratio is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that we've been seeing so far is in is in an, uh, an aspect ratio called Academy. Okay, Okay, which nobody uses anymore. All right, Academy was, if you like, the original um, uh, film ratio, and it was effectively almost a square. Okay, very boxy shape. Okay, and that and that's that that came out in the 1930s. Okay, and that was called Academy, and it wasn't until the 1950s um, came along when TV came out, and everybody was trying to combat you know the threat of TV that they come up with another aspect called uh, Cinerama but that didn't last uh-huh. very long but we also had widescreen okay and widescreen is what all your adverts and tele- uh, trailers are when you go to the, to, to the cinema that's what all the adverts and the trailers are and a lot of films are like that but all the big blockbusters are in the next aspect ratio which is scope or cinema scope okay and that's your real long Letterbox format, okay. That's
0: that's even wider than widescreen. It's yeah, so going...
1: this is the problem. Everybody thinks if 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 you mention that something's in widescreen, you think of that very wide letterbox format, but that's actually a misnomer. It was the original widescreen, which was wider than academy. Academy, as I say, was basically like a tall box. Widescreen was almost like a fat rectangle cinema scope or scope is like a proper proper letterbox you see yeah i've just
0: pulled up a diagram of of it and they're not calling it some of the names but it looks like the uh, academy is one one point three and then what scope is what two two point three nine yeah 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 the first
1: number that you have before the two dots that's the width of the screen and uh-huh. the, the the numbers after it that's the height of the screen so original gotcha. academy was 1 to 37 okay widescreen was 1 to 1 to 66 and cinemascope is 2 to 2 to 35 okay yeah. so so yeah i mean as i say if if you go to see a big you know blockbuster film like fury road if you went to see fury road you would have all all your adverts and trailers would have been in widescreen and then at the end of the trailers when you go into the main film um, the lens changes to cinema scope the masking goes out and that's when you've got your massive widescreen you know yeah um, wow. but I, I mean most big blockbusters are now in 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 scope but you know a lot of directors still choose to film things in widescreen if they want a more intimate feel to it you know right. and, and they don't want that I mean Spielberg did that with E.T. That was just in widescreen. That wasn't in scope. And, um, Chummy, who, who did it? I can't remember. Who did Ant Man, uh, just recently? He decided he didn't want it out in a massive wide image. He he wanted it to be quite self contained. So that's why he, he did it in, in, uh, widescreen. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Awesome.
1: Right. After that digression, we'll get back on track. Because <laughs> the, the reason I mention this is, is George Miller is a genius. Because George Miller has shown. All, all Everything we've just been talking about in in this flashback and during this opening narration, everything is in a much, much smaller image, OK? Because he knows that he's going to fade fade to black. And then when you come out of the black, you're at cinemascope, OK? So yeah. you've just been seeing this tiny image in the middle of the screen with lots of black either side. It fades to black. And when it opens again, you have filled this massive screen with the blower and the engine of Max's car, haven't you?
0: Yes. It, and that's, you know, when I recently watched Mad Max 2, I just watched the first one and it, this v- film seems so much more glamorous immediately. And part of it is that transition you're talking about. And part of it is the budget was clearly bigger. You know, Mel Gibson is more, he's, he looks more glamorous like immediately. And so it was, that made a, that moment that you're talking about made a huge impression on me when I first saw um, Mad Max 2.
1: Have you ever seen Mad Max Two in the cinema?
0: Oh no, no! I,
1: I wish they would just. I was hoping they would re-release it. You know, when Fury Road was so successful. You know, but because it, it it's jaw-dropping to see that. You know, in a in a auditorium where the screen is thirty-five feet wide, and you've been watching this tiny image in the middle of the screen, and it fades to black, and it pulls out of the blower, and we're into scope, and you've got that music going, and the cars right. are zipping along. <laughs> Oh, man, oh, man, that's fantastic, fantastic. Yeah,
0: it really kicks it up a notch right there.
1: Yeah, and, and as soon as we've seen that, we've got this really low down point of view as the camera, you, you know, is filming the white lines in the middle of the road. They're rushing past you. Right. Everything is like an adrenaline fix, you know, you're just dropped into this, aren't you?
0: Yeah. (laughs) And of course, I've seen so many like knockoff bad Mad Max um, copies. Like, Mm. (laughs) but this is like the gold standard, right? This is where all of those copies came from. So, um, yeah, it's extremely gratifying. Even for me, who like, I don't know anything about cars. I can't always track which car is which. I mean, I'm terrible. So, yeah. (laughs) yeah.
1: It is. It's the well from what what everything else has sprung. Yeah. They just don't (laughs) compare. Just go back to this and watch this again. But, exactly. but after we've seen this, like, you know, all the white lines going, we, we, we cut to Max's car and we're looking in through Max's window with him and his dog. And, uh, you know, that's clearly Mel Gibson and he's driving the car for real, you know. This isn't a, a, like a, you know, a dummy car on a little flatbed truck, you know. Um, because as soon as, as soon as, you, I mean, you see him there, he, he's driving his car and his dog and the camera is outside the car looking in the window and then the camera turns and looks behind the car and you see what's coming behind the car and you can see the cars that are pursuing him and it's then that you realize like hang on a minute if the camera is outside the window looking in at mad max and then turns that means there's a camera and cameraman attack. yeah to the car, <laughs> yep. Yep. to the outside of the car, and you look at—if you look beyond Max and the dog and look at the scenery going past—they are going at a fair old rate. They're not doing like twenty miles an hour because you know we can't get our uh, actors hurt. They are fair moving along, I tell you. I I know that
0: a lot of people were hurt in the making of the first two. I don't know much about three and four, but I imagine, you know, by the time you get to Fury Road, they're so much more careful. You know, there has to be more legal. You know, it must be different. But, um,
1: yeah, I'm so glad I have managed to find on YouTube. I'm going to put it up on Facebook. Back in late the 80s or 90s, um, I had a, a, videotape of this film, which had a documentary on the end of it, and I've never seen it ever, ever again. I've never seen it on any DVDs or anything, but I've tracked it down on YouTube and I'll put it up and it's behind, it's an American, uh, documentary on the making of Road Warrior. And it, you would think it's spinal tap. You would think it's, you know, uh, somebody's just taking the piss because They're talking about, you know, the state of the art, you know, safety devices. And it's just tons of cardboard boxes.
0: I know? did see a clip from that where they, like, I'm like, are they joking? Cause they said this is the best, you know, cushion available. Yeah. And then it was a bunch of card. And then, then after the stunt, they take the cardboard boxes and they fold them down to move yeah. them to somewhere else. And, and I seem to remember they hurt a couple of the main stunt guys just right off the bat. And they're it's like, okay. A-
1: it's just after they've said that, they're talking about a sequence, you know, um, where, Towards the end of the film, where the guy hits a car, and he was supposed to have just fallen off, but he actually flipped and started Ugh. rotating through the thing, and he missed the boxes. And you've yep. got you've got the uh, the head of the men there, you know. He's brilliant. He's talking about, um, you know, yeah, it's unfortunate he he missed the box. You know, sometimes you know this happens, blah 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 blah, and uh, and then you know it cuts to the next day and a stunt happens and that that head stuntman is doing it and and the narrator goes, oh. But then something goes wrong <laughs> and it goes yeah. on. And then you see him <laughs> carted off to the hospital and you see this yep. ambulance just going off in the distance, you know. And it's like, yeah. this is insane. Back then, you're absolutely right. There was no health and safety. Or I guess like
0: not. It just was just starting to come to the fore. And, um, you know, it's kind of, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's funny and it's great. We have a great movie. But, man, those, you know, people probably had lifelong health problems from this kind of stuff. It's pretty yeah, awful.
1: They just did it and you know, they, 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 they just went ahead and did it. I don't think anyone turned around and said, well, you know, get stuffed. I'm not doing that. Right. I, I, I remember watching a documentary for the first one where you've got Goose and he's on his motorbike and you see him going down the lane, uh, down the road and that. And to get that shot, you've got the cameraman riding pillion just behind him. And he says about, you know, this guy. I mean, I think he was a professional, you know, bike rider and the cameraman was saying, Yeah, we were getting this footage. I'm thinking, this is really good. And I looked down at the Speedo, and the Speedo is saying, like, you know, 120 miles an hour. You know? Wow. <laughs> and he's just sat on the back of this bike filming it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I mean, this is definitely off topic, but we just talked about the Twilight Zone movie recently. And, you know, there was a horrible accident there that killed oh, two, you know, Vic Morrow and the two child actors who weren't being properly managed or paid or any... It's just awful. And then the people that make the films will kind of blame the audiences. They'll say, well, these audiences want this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know if you can put that on the audiences. But it is, (laughs) you know, I'm glad it's getting safer. I'm glad it's getting safer because it is pretty thrilling to watch, like you say, a scene where you know, you're like, there must be a camera guy sitting on the outside of that car. I mean, that is pretty exciting stuff. You know, I I hear you.
1: Because if you were to make this film today and not use cgi but you want the same sort of shots how can you do it with health and safety now you would not because i again i'll put it up on facebook i've got a photo of the rig that they had the cameraman on for this very shot and it just looks like a bit of scaffolding pipe that was just welded to the door of the car you know yeah (laughs) yeah well, they
0: must have got paid pretty good. I I would hope, anyway.
1: <laughs> it just comes across, you know, all this, the way they're making this film, um, you know, it just comes across. It it is just so raw and visceral, yeah. and you feel it and you believe it, you know. Yeah, yeah. All all, all the way through this whole sequence, we're going to talk about that was all happening for real. You can believe huh. in all of it, you, know, you right. know. Well, maybe not the arrow through the arm, but everything else, yes. So anyway, um, we've got two chase cars who are chasing him you see them and then you've got Wes comes scooting around on his motorbike and he overtakes them right Uh, so I
0: I don't know cars but in my mind that second car chasing him was like a dune buggy and I was having a hard time believing it could keep up with the other two cars
1: it is a dune buggy it's a Volkswagen dune buggy buggy, absolutely right I guess they souped it up for it to catch up because because it's not exactly aerodynamic either is it with all that luggage that it's all got on it right but you, you don't care about that um so yeah so now we've got two cars and a bike they do the whole swerve and smash through the crash cars fantastic I, I i love how they've uh filmed it i love how they've uh you know edited it together just terrific yeah um uh the buzzer goes in in max's car um and the dog looks worried yes um, <laughs> and, and then you've got the black car uh starts moving up one side um, the car hits the sign again I don't know if he meant to have hit that sign because <laughs> he really right. does hit it the car hits the sign uh, the dog looks even more worried and goes and sits in the back doesn't he yep yep so so then we've got the black car coming up on one side you've got Wes coming up on the other side we still haven't probably seen Wes yet um, but then we do the camera turns around and that is Vernon Wells you can totally see that is Vernon Wells riding that bike for real isn't it
0: yes With his uh, with his buddy on the back there. With
1: his buddy, yes, yes. Oh, uh
0: who's always got the nipple? Ralph called them a nipple bitch because he always has his nipples showing. (laughs) And like the, I love the costumes in this one. It's just they're great.
1: His nipples must be freezing at this moment. Well, they're probably
0: know. all leathery and tough by now. You know what I'm saying? Like he's—they're always exposed.
1: <laughs> so. You know, when I woke up this morning, I didn't think I'd be talking about leathery nipples. You know?
0: <laughs> well, you should know if you're going to talk to me that that's—it's going to go there. <laughs>
1: it's going to degenerate to leathery nipples Somehow, okay. yeah.
0: <laughs> So the so is that when the car, the guy in the car shoots the crossbow um through the window? Is that- yes. Yeah, oh, he, he goes okay. to shoot
1: at Max. Max looks to the right and and breaks. And uh, the shot goes uh, through Wes's arm, doesn't it?
0: Yes. Yep. It gets the it gets him right in the bicep. Awful. Out. Yeah.
1: And we, we, yeah. He does. He does do a bit of a scream, doesn't he? Yeah. He's not happy. <laughs> uh, Max speeds up. He rams the black car, which is now in front of him, which crashes the buggy, right. And and does a roll down the road. Um, again, it's all happening for real. I mean. So many times, I think I've mentioned this before in this episode, but so so many times in modern films now, when you have a car crash, everything goes into slow motion. Right, yeah. So so, so you kind of become detached from reality, whereas this happens and bam, over it goes. You know, it is like watching a real car crash, because that is a real car crashing. Right. Uh, Anyway, Max skids to a halt. Um, and reverses up to the crash tanker that he's just passed, because, you know, as this was going, we've got a whole uh, mess of uh, wreckage in the road, um, and he reverses up to the tanker. Um, Wes arrives on the brow of the hill, um, mm-hmm. and we get off. I love it. I, I love our first look at him, because the camera yep. pans up from his boots,
0: doesn't it? Yes, it pans up through his little, like, S&M outfit, and all the way up. It's, that's an awesome scene that... Um that was a good reveal and he's got the still got the arrows the bolt sticking out of his arm
1: he's got the bolt sticking out of his arm he he, he he's got the sneer on his face he's sort of like panting and sneering at the same he's a double hard bastard to be sure i tell you yeah. and yeah. i tell you i love his outfit and especially with the black feathers i mean who else could pull off black feathers and look that mean
0: yeah, and I mean, I think this is pretty much the first, you know, super flamboyant fashion of the whole franchise, mm. which then became a hundred, like all three of the later films have this extremely iconic, you know, costume, re- so yeah. this is kind of the first shot of that, really, and, um you know, I kind of had a problem with the scene for two reasons, one is, it seemed like Wes was much closer to uh, Max because mm-hmm. uh, Max stops and then reverses and takes a minute, and it's almost like what Wes is like all of a sudden a quarter of a mile away, which I kind of found like he was pretty much on top of them.
1: Yeah, but I, I, you you see him veer off though. I think he loses control when he first gets shot in the arm. When he gets he sort of like goes him. off. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then I also wasn't quite sure why he didn't just rush up to Mel and and you know try to attack him because he's you know a pretty impulsive aggressive character so that whole him stopping and taking the arrow out and turning around um seems a little odd to me but uh my husband pointed out he said well you know max has a gun and wed somehow knows that and i'm like okay all right yeah.
1: yeah and if he did just rush ahead we wouldn't get this hero shot he's for right. the hero shot basically he's right
0: and to pull the bolt out of his arm like a badass
1: Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Max is ignoring him at this point. He goes over to the crashed dune buggy and he tries soaking up some of the, well, we call it petrol. I, I, I love in this film how they call it guzzoline.
0: Guzzoline, that's right. Guzzoline yeah, with two Zs. That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, kinda,
0: he's keeping his eye on him, but he's yeah. he has to get gas. He's out of gas, so he has to do it. So and yeah.
1: I, 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 He gets some sort of like bowl and puts a bowl under, but then he's got a rag and he's like soaking up every... <laughs> my new part uh, i don't know how effective you know soaking up petrol with a rag how much you're going to get by doing that
0: well i don't know if you have a he has like a piss helmet or he has like a couple things that are just covered in dirt so the gas is you know filthy i'm like can you really run a car on gas like that i, I don't know you know so
1: yeah and i love <clears throat> as well <laughs> when he's there you know the, the the tanker's at the side there and, and it's got some yellow graffiti on, on the trailer, uh, um, and, and it says the vermin have inherited the earth. Yep, yes. And not, it's at not that point,
0: subtle, yeah,
1: yeah. no, not subtle. And it's at that point that Wes yells, and we get the whole pulling the arrow yeah. out bit, don't we?
0: And it, it looks like Wes and his buddy use the same crossbow bolts, so that's handy because then Wes just takes the bolt out and sticks it in his little harness on his uh, right thigh.
1: Yeah, with no blood on it. Did you notice? There's no yeah, blood.
0: Yeah, I did. This, uh, it's yeah. covered in
1: blood when he pulls it out of his arm, but uh, yeah, it's not fit. there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he he starts advancing, but Max pulls his gun out and the dog moves away. I don't know what that dog's looking at. It, it's a sheep or a goat or something. There's some dead animal that he was looking
0: a kangaroo around. actually.
1: Is it a kangaroo? Yeah, it's a
0: kangaroo.
1: Oh, I couldn't tell. Right. Okay. Um, and he does this wheelie away, and I'm I'm pretty sure that his little buddy on the back—that's not a real buddy there. I think that's a dummy, don't you? <laughs> it's <a>
0: dummy, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Max goes back to the tanker, uh, which you see is all shot up with arrows, so you know you know exactly what's happened to that. Yeah. Um, and he gets distracted by a scream from the uh, from the dune buggy, doesn't he?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, and he opens the door. I mean, it's a jump moment, isn't it? As his body comes out. Because um, you're not expecting it, because you've been distracted by the screen.
0: Yeah, right. I... Hey, oh, go ahead.
1: I, I was going to say, if you freeze frame that when he opens the door and the camera switches round to inside the cabin as the body falls out, if you freeze frame that at the right moment, you can see that's not um, Mel Gibson. Okay. That's his stunt double, apparently. Okay. Now, I don't know why it's not Mel Gibson, because Mel Gibson's just been driving this car with a cameraman attached to the side and all this, and now I can't see him wanting a stunt double because a dummy might fall on him. Maybe he just wasn't available for that moment, you know? Yeah, or, or
0: maybe he had a sprained, uh, maybe he was out, yeah, like you say, out for the count. So, mm. so you, how did you know it wasn't him? You just, you, you freeze-framed or you read about yeah. it?
1: Yeah, yeah, you freeze-frame mm-hmm. it, and, and yeah, you can, it's clearly not him, yeah. right. But the body falls down. He checks it out. Um, you know, it's all—it's all like radiation, burnt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and he finds his little music box, doesn't he?
0: Right. That's right.
1: And I love it. That, that's a lovely <coughs> little moment where he's just like—he's trying to remember. You know, it's ev- evoking memories in him, and he decides to keep it. I think at this point that there is a touch of his humanity in there. He's still not—he's not this totally stone cold person.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know. Spoiler alert for anyone listening, you know, people have said this film that he doesn't give a a damn until the bad guys kill his dog. And that's when he chooses to participate in helping out, you know, these nomads who need to, you know, to defend themselves from, you know, humongous. But yeah, you're right. I mean, why would he take that music box if there wasn't a part of him that wanted, you know, a a human life, so to speak?
1: And, you know, if he was that cold, then, you know, he could have killed the gyro captain. Right. Shortly coming up, you know, but he doesn't. Um, so that's basically the end of the sequence because after that he drives away into the sunset there and we fade to black, um, mm-hmm. before we go into the next bit. So that's, that's the sequence over. Um, that's quite now, a
0: lot. Just a few I, I was minutes. Say, I, I was
1: just about <laughs> to say, you know, we, we've talked about it an awful lot and yet it, this must be what five I just, minutes, yeah, five
0: minutes, including yeah.
1: narration. This is maybe yeah. like five minutes. Yeah. Okay, right, so, so, we'll go into behind the scenes, okay?
2: All right.
1: Now, you, you, you must know that Mad Max 2 was called The Road Warrior, uh, in North America, because at the yeah. time, yeah, at the time, the original, uh, it had only, um, been released on a very limited, uh, basis, so, you know, if they'd called it Mad Max 2, um, it could have confused viewers.
0: Right, right. I didn't know that was why. I do know that when I was trying to – many years ago when I was trying to track down these films, I had – it confused me that one of them was called The Road Warrior. I was always like, is that the first one or the second one? You know, it, um, yeah.
1: See, over here, it's only ever been called Mad Max 2. It was. It's okay. never been called The Road Warrior. It's just Mad Max 2.
0: Okay. Okay
1: um a bit of uh, car porn for you now so you, you, you know you can go off and uh, get a biscuit now or, or if, if <laughs> no want. Right.
0: I, I, I want to learn so God, all right I'm
1: okay right Mac- Max's interceptor was a Ford Falcon XB coupe v8 okay, okay. Um, wes rides a Kawasaki Z 1900 and uh, it, it was said to be in a been uh, in Planet Hollywood, New Zealand for quite a while.
0: Where's his uh, bike?
1: Motorbike, yeah, okay. yeah. I don't know about the costume. That would have been a thing, wouldn't it, to go and see the costume?
0: Oh man, I I would love to um, see the costumes. Absolutely.
1: Have you actually, you you know, being a costumer yourself? I mean, have you ever gone to exhibitions to see, you know, film?
0: No, I have never. Elvis. No,
1: it, it is fascinating. Um, um, a few years back, I went to Paris. They had a Tim Burton exhibition on, and um, they had an awful lot of costumes from you know his films there. And the Edward Scissorhands one—it uh, was just jaw- jaw-dropping. The amount of craftsmanship uh, that was yeah. in that. There's no way that you would have seen that up on the screen. You know, uh, but the, the detail was amazing, and. Conversely, the thing that I was quite taken aback with was his uh, 1989 Batman costume. The costume for that it was just looked so crude. Oh really? It's, yeah, it really looked like it had been sculpted out of uh, car tires. You know, it was just chunky, not very sophisticated, not very good quality uh, rubber. Yeah,
0: like. I mean, I really appreciate any photos of anything up close to see kind of what level of craftsmanship you're talking about. But, you know, we have a high definition um projector in our house and like an eight foot wide screen. And there are films I've watched just to see because of the high def of so many productions. I can see details a little bit better. And, um, boy, would, that would be just so much fun to work on at that level of um, – because you're basically making a garment, not really a costume. Mm. And that, there's a difference there. And I'm a garment maker. I, I prefer doing that. Costumes are something that – it only has to look good and it doesn't matter if it falls apart. you know. But right. at that level, you're just getting, like you say, amazing craftsmanship. I'm surprised about the Batman costume, though. I Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> I'll have to well, send you later. I was, I'll send you some pictures, and you can see what I, I, I was talking about. Especially the and the other thing about the Edward Scissorhands one. I mean, a, a lot of these costumes were under glass. The Edward Scissorhands one was open to the air. You, you could actually touch it. Wow.
0: Well, I'm That's sure amazing. it was. Le- I'm sure it was leather, which is a pretty, um, you know, tough, uh, yeah.
1: you know, material. All right. Um, I've got one more little car fact uh before we get on to costumes and that's that yeah the two pursuit vehicles as you say one was a dune buggy uh the other one was a ford landau the black car was a ford landau okay okay
0: all right
1: uh, both australian cars okay right okay costumes you will know the costumes were designed by uh, norma Mossio. okay who uh she 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 also did films such as um, as you said, mad max beyond thunderdome she did crocodile dundee she did the punisher, and she did babe, okay yeah. All right. uh yeah, but she died last year. I never saw any mention of her uh passing
0: well, that happens like um costume designers, especially women that they're not really as celebrated as some of the other special effects um craftsmen in film that's just kind of kind of the way it is mm. um, I'm looking at some details for wes's costume right now he's got uh Someone put together a website called MadMaxCostumes.com. I don't know -hmm. if you've ever looked at it.
1: I've been on a website, a a page for Mad Max, and it, it goes into lots of things, but not specifically for the costumes.
0: So, uh he's got a, a Rawlings Crusader F B series football shoulder pads and they that was uh rooster feathers, black rooster tail feathers in his costume.
1: I know <laughs> where that they he get a chicken out there. where where'd where, where you find roosters, <laughs> for goodness <laughs>
0: sake? Yeah, he got the one of the last of the chickens. And right. I know that they had wanted him to have bare butt cheeks the whole film, but mm. the because he was actually riding motorcycles and the weather and all that, they did have to give him a flap to try to help him out.
1: Apparently, um, I, I was going to come onto this, but apparently it was freezing cold. It looks really yeah. hot, but yeah, it was freezing cold. That's why, if you see in you know behind the scenes photos, they're all like covered in blankets and stuff because they were just so freezing. And yeah. yeah, apparently, yeah, he did have a blue ass for a quite yeah, exactly. while. He, he looked right. like a baboon. Apparently, He'd have to put some <laughs> butt
0: warmers on him or something. Yeah. And of course, he had the cod piece, which is just awesome. There, there are a lot of cod pieces in this film. I don't know if there were very many cod pieces in the first one, so. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it, leather.
1: yeah. It's this film more than the first film. This, you know, um, you know, Norma and a, her whole costume department. It just exploded out of this. The, the 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 impact and the influence that this design work they did in the costumes just went into so many other films and music videos. You know, you yep. know, it, it, it's just incredible the impact this had.
0: Absolutely, very iconic. And it's still, I mean, that's the, we're seeing these looks still in Fury Road too. I mean, they've added, you know, a few other influences, but it's pretty much of the same kind of, um, you know, design elements.
1: Hmm. I've got here that, you know, to, to, to get all the stuff together for the costumes, they raided junk shops. Second-hand clothing stores, sporting outlets, and S and M shops. That's right. Well, There's
0: a lot of fetish gear in here. There, and,
1: there certainly you know, is.
0: You know, you probably know that I'm vegan, so I would have had a really hard time with all that leather. It's like yeah. I'll wear it. You gotta you gotta find me a, a vinyl cod piece. I will not yeah. wear leather
1: ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He looks great. They look great. You know, yeah. I mean, t- terrific. I mean, yeah, <laughs> words fail. That, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just fantastic work. Yeah. Um, Max's dog uh, was obtained from a local dog pound and, and trained to perform in the film. Um, and after filming was complete, he was adopted by one of the camera operators. And he adopted the dog because uh, apparently the dog was going to be put down.
0: I heard that too. It was like they they got the dog a day before it was scheduled to be euthanized.
1: Yeah, and then they were going to give him back, in which case he would have been euthanized. <laughs> it was it would have been a temporary reprieve, but apparently no... Yeah, I think, I think the dog died a few years ago. He, he had a long, happy life, but, uh, yeah. yeah. I
0: just, I just want to write on my, on my website for film, I want to write a post about, like, here, here are ten movies where the dog does not die, where you can safely <laughs> watch the film. Cause every time there's a dog in a horror or, like, futuristic, post-apocalyptic, I'm just nervous the whole time. Mm. And he, the dog, she, she almost always gets killed, and I just, I'm not a fan.
1: Yeah. Okay, um, like, like I say, there it, it was very cold uh, when they made it. It, it was filmed at uh, outside of Silverton in New South Wales, okay.
2: um,
1: and yeah, all, all the crew they and, and actors would spend uh, the time between takes huddled under blankets, um, and it, yeah, the Marauders particularly suffered with their costumes, um, which you, you know. yeah yeah, a lot of them nipples were exposed and buttocks were exposed so yeah maybe his buddy had some sort of like nipple warmers you know between takes you need something yeah something or other yeah
0: well it's funny because you can't I I often notice in films you'll find out later how cold the actors were but um, you can't really tell watching the movie which is always surprising to me so and, also, mu- and
1: also, yeah, you don't think of Australia as being cold. You know, well, I so think of it as the
0: desert, and the desert does have some pretty cold, you know, that, that huge temperature, um, mm. you know, flux. But, uh,
2: yeah.
0: yeah, and it, I think it was the most expensive set that they'd ever in Australia at the time they made this film. I think it was the biggest production that they'd had.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, There's a scene missing at the start, okay, um, which I don't I don't miss. I, I wouldn't want to see it. There's nothing wrong with the start. Um Max was meant to actually drive by a farm, okay? And Wes and the others were ransacking it, um, and the owners of the farm were hanging dead from a tree. Uh, Wes oh, hears geez. Max's intercept interceptor go past and gives chase and then the scene as we know it um, um, starts off. Okay. So I, I you you didn't need to see that.
0: No, I mean, not for any reason, because later on, or pretty quickly, you find out how cruel these marauders are, right? You don't need to know that. And you can just start in on this chase. It's totally fine as is, because you already know, you know, what kind of an environment this post-apocalyptic world is, you know, supposed to be.
1: You know they're bad guys, you know. They, that well, Number one, they're chasing, you know, uh, an ex-cop number two you've got wes looking like he does yeah. the, guy, the guy in the black car's got like a policeman's helmet on but he's got some sort of like a black mask as well you know you know right from the offset that these are bad right. guys don't you yeah. and
0: also like this is just one of those things where it just depends on how old you are and when you were first exposed to the franchise and all of that you know because by the time i saw it, i already knew the general arc of the story so you know it's just really hard to say what they'd have to set up if, if mm. it's, you know, like you say, they're introducing it to an American audience. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I don't think they needed to set it up any further than they did. I think it no, was great.
1: It works fine, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently this was the first Australian film in Dolby stereo. Okay. And the opening narration that we've been talking about, that was in mono, okay? And again, this is the genius of George Miller. He wanted the opening to be just in mono, so it's just coming out the centre speaker there. And when we pull out of the blower and we go out to cinemascope that's when it switches to full Dolby stereo to get okay. even more impact so you're you're being assaulted by sound as well as visuals when you come out of that blower at the beginning
0: yeah it was quite a um it was they did a lot of things right in that moment it was great mm-hmm.
1: all right well that's all my behind the scenes that's us done right. on that okay so unless you've got something else to add we'll go into rating okay all right, what do you think? Okay,
0: I'm, it cannot be improved upon. It's a 10, 10 out of 10.
1: It's a 10 for me.
0: Yeah, just it's great stuff. It's a total out of
1: 10. Actually, this is heresy for some people, but this is my favorite favorite ever, ever opening of a film, ever. Either, I rate this even higher than the opening of Star Wars. This is my number one. That's why it gets a 10.
0: Well, you won't, you won't hear me uh, putting you down for that because, like, like I said, this is one of my favorite film franchises of all time. It's just awesome.
1: Excellent could have said it better that's it then um i want to keep on talking this is mad max i know you've got to come back for another one kelly all right Let's
0: just do all you know do the three other mad max films you all can right. you can find some special effects in there you can find them <laughs> i'll
1: tell you what kelly i'll do your deal every time we do a mad max you're the first one to to feature on it okay okay
0: although i'm sure you have much more um you know, you have people who know more than I do. I, I'm I, I approach films from like the story and the themes, and I have a I have a hard time tracking all the people involved. So, I'm not, I'm not the most qualified, but I'm a huge fan, and I and I do my homework. So, I've got there that you going.
1: Go. Well, you've got all those qualifications. All there right. you go. Okay, to the next time then, Kelly. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Eric. No problem. Thanks everyone who might be listening. Check us out on Facebook. I've got a ton of photos, and I have got that behind the scenes documentary which you've got to see believe okay so thanks everybody see you next time bye bye